This is the Bible, God's Word. We turn to it now to form our worship and to give us the most sincere act of worship that we can do in one of these services, which is to receive God's Word, to trust it, and to obey it. We can go through the motions of doing a lot of other things. We can sing loudly, we can pray, we can bow low, we can do all these outward things, which are important. But if there's a disconnect between the outward and the inward, it's not sincere, it's hypocritical, and Christ um, had strong condemnation for that. So the most sincere thing that we can do is sit humbly under his word, receive it, and obey it. So we turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 22 tonight. As you're turning there, um, let me do what so many, I guess, little TV shows will do or Uh, it'll it'll say when you're binging, you're kind of go, I'm catching up in season two. I don't remember what happened in season two. And thankfully at the very first episode of season two, they'll say in season one, and then it'll give you a little review of what went on. So in season one of our series on Proverbs, we have already covered three things. We've covered the introduction, Proverbs 1, 1 through 7. Brian Lewis started um, started us on that path, and it was very helpful to learn that the key verse in the book of Proverbs is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We'll have more to say about the fear of the Lord later tonight. Then the next week, we found the first of a father's lessons for his son uh, in chapter one. And we're grateful for Josh in leading us through those lessons for a son there and learning that um, there are lots of dangers out there in the path of life. There are competing voices And there's a father urging his son to live a godly life. And then there are fools urging the son to follow a very dangerous path. And to whom are we going to listen? Well, then the very next section is moving away from one of the 10 lessons of fathers to sons in the first nine chapters of Proverbs to one of the the first of two interludes talking about wisdom that begins to speak directly, not through the Father, but wisdom directly addresses the people of God and through the people of God, all the people of the earth, all those who have been created by God, cries out to them to avoid folly and its dangers and to follow the one true path. And so Barton led us through that very, very helpfully. Again, again, to whom will we listen? Will we hear wisdom cry out or will we listen to lady folly? And we'll hear that juxtaposition again later in Proverbs 1 through 9. Tonight, then, we come to Proverbs 2, uh, 1 through 22. It's, there are 22 verses in this um, chapter, and so many have said this, it's like an acrostic poem because uh, instead of 26 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, there are 22, and so each uh, verse has a letter associated with it. The only difficulty with that, and, and there are some very complicated structures for Proverbs 2, 1 through 22 that have been reached through trying to follow exactly how this acrostic works. I think the acrostic's there, but with one commentator, I agree. I don't think it's significant for our understanding of Proverbs 2, which is great news for you because most of you don't read Hebrew, and I wouldn't know enough to explain it to you well. So uh, I think we can see it much more simply. You'll see it too if you just remember three words as I read this text for us now. If, then, so. If, in verses 1 through 4, then, in verses um, 5 through 19, and then so, in verses 20 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, 
making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we ask that we would receive your word now with great meekness, gentleness, and humility, that we would be among those who tremble at your word, that we might gain wisdom, become more godly in our character, and experience life in all of its abundance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The chapter is essentially a cost-benefit analysis of the pursuit of wisdom. You know, you're going to look at the, okay, here's the cost, if, 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 and then here are the benefits. Then, bing, 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 and then the conclusion, so... Death or life, which will it be? Um, as a kid, I, I understand from my parents, I remember some of this actually, obviously, as I got older, but even when I was a young kid, we'd walk into the toy store or whatever, and I would say, Ooh, I want that. Invariably, that wasn't, you hear these stories about the kids that just want to play with the box that on Christmas, you know, you open all the pain, they just want the box, they don't want the toy, they just don't have any sense of it. I was not that kid. I was the one who said, I want that, and that was way out of my range. That was not in my budget, but I always wanted that. Or when you're older and you want those shoes, you know, they'll be cool at school. And also, you know, I'm sure I'll be a better athlete if I wear those particular shoes. And so you say, I want those shoes. And my parents would say, yeah, a lot of people want those shoes, but people in jail want out too. And so you're not getting those shoes, you know? And I learned this very interesting phrase for a preacher to learn. I wasn't a preacher then, but, uh, You have champagne tastes and a beer budget. So you're going to have to learn to balance those somehow and learn that you're on a beer budget. So don't be looking for champagne all the time. I didn't understand it at the time, but I get it now. Like you you can, you can want things that you're not really able or willing to pay for. And 
yeah, that's been me for a lot of my life. I'm afraid I'm that way again tonight as we read this chapter together. I mean, look at the benefits here. Verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Who wouldn't want that, to understand the fear of the Lord? Note this word understand again. It will um, break out the sections here. The, The benefits of finding this wisdom, this character is so amazing. You will understand the source of wisdom. For that's exactly what's going on in verses um, 5 through 8. We're we're understanding the source of wisdom. And that source is a person. It's not a place that you go to look for wisdom. It's a person. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've already heard that that was the theme back in uh, chapter 1, verse 7. Again, it's the great, great theme of Proverbs. You will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You'll know God. You'll find wisdom because the Lord, again, the source is personal, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. If you do these things, forget about that. Let's go. Then you will understand the source of wisdom, and it's a person. I'm so grateful for Brian helping us at the very beginning of our study of Proverbs, defining the fear of the Lord, this delightful sense of admiring awe before the transcendent creator and the loving redeemer that, and can it be that I should gain? Lord, I whatever you say to do, I will do. I fear you, not I tremble before you. I'm scared of you. Please, Lord, don't hit me. No, I fear you. I reverentially awe uh, am in awe before you. I'll bow before you. I trust you, Lord. I'll obey you, Lord. There's a personal love relationship that's established. And it's in that relationship that we find the source of wisdom. Hey, but that's not all. Mom, dad, look at this too. The benefits Then you will understand the righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Another then, another you will understand. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. All of this is so good. You will understand the source of wisdom in verses 5 through 8. You'll understand the way of wisdom in verses 9 through 11. The way the path. Look for how many times, and we'll keep reading through this, but you'll see how many times a synonym for way or path or tract um, will guide our journey. And that's what this father is trying to instill to his son is that you got to navigate the waters of life out there. And it's a tough and stormy sea, or to put it back on land where you might have a path, um, it's dangerous out there. And you need to know how to avoid the pitfalls, how to avoid the boggy swamps, how to avoid the rocky crags. I'm going to guide you through with wisdom for that is what wisdom is. It's the skill of growing in godly living and character is this matter of godly living. And that's what I'm trying to instill in you, my son, says the author here. So we understand this way of wisdom, this path of wisdom to help us navigate um, our way through life. But we learned something else about this. And beginning with verse 12, we're going to encounter the word deliver or delivering two times. 
that's also going to show us some amazing benefits of this search for wisdom. Some great benefits. Verse 12, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of right uprightness and walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Hey, you're not only going to learn the source of wisdom, you're going to learn the way of wisdom and you're going to learn the protection of wisdom. Wisdom will protect you from all kinds of bad things. You are going to avoid, don't make the mistakes I made, a father might say to his son. Uh, Be careful out there. It's dangerous and difficult, but if you'll follow this advice, this advice will deliver you from evil men. It's talking about masculine. It's the plural too. It's men out there. Seems like, what is it about guys that are so susceptible to a bunch of guys coming together and kind of say, hey man, let's go do this. And remember um, earlier in Proverbs 1, we learned about, hey, come with us. We're going to go steal some stuff from this guy. We're going to make a bunch of money. It's not going to be risky at all. Come on, join in. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. The young are not always the sharpest tools in the shed. They haven't been experienced yet. And so, Uh, in that knowledge, if you will just listen to me, my son, it will deliver you from evil men. Hey, but the writer here is an equal opportunity employer. Men and women are equally sinful in the sight of God. And if you just keep your eyes open for what men might do to you, son, you're going to get creamed because there is also that evil woman out there. The women don't gang up on you as much and say, hey, come follow us. We're going to go do this thing. You know, that's not, you're not susceptible to that nearly as much as you are to that one unfaithful woman who departs from her husband and comes looking for you, the prostitute, the temptress. Beginning in verse 16. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. It is dangerous out there. It's really dangerous. But you know what? If you you do all that stuff, if you'll find the source of wisdom, you'll find the way of wisdom, and you'll find the protections of wisdom. You'll know those protections experientially and personally. So... Verse 20, in conclusion, the father says, you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths, that word again, of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. You get to live. You not only get eternal life, you get abundant life if you'll just follow these benefits. In conclusion, I'm setting before you, my son, life and death. Verse 20 and 21, the path of life. There'll be other good people gaining that path, on that path with you. Pilgrim's progress is not made alone. It is in community with other people. But, verse 22, the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. You may be looking at another translation that says, instead of land, it says earth. Same Hebrew word can be translated either way. In fact, when we look at um, Psalm 27, we learn that the meek will inherit the land. 
But we're more familiar with the expression, the meek will inherit the earth from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. What's up with that? Well, what's up with that, that in the New Testament, this picture of the land, the place of God's blessing for the Israelites, that that land promised to Abraham has morphed into more than the land. That was merely a picture, a shadow of what the righteous will inherit from their heavenly father, the entire earth. So the meek will inherit the earth. Abraham received a promise, according to Romans chapter 4, that he would be the heir of the land. Yeah, he got a promise of land. No, that's not how Paul puts it in Romans 4. He will be the heir of the earth, of the whole world, that the saints will inherit it all. So the place of blessing, the place of abundant life is the place of following God on this path to wisdom that comes from the fear of the Lord, to wisdom, to godly character. Character is so valuable to you, my son, he would say. Do you see why I'm in danger of doing this again, of my my proclivity? Proclivity being to look at the benefit and go, whoa, man, look at that cool stuff without paying attention to the cost. I mean, maybe some of you are like that too. You kind of want the benefit, but you're not really looking at, well, what do I have to do to get that? You know, can I just show up at church morning and evening and I'll get all of this benefit? No. What do I have to do? You know, we probably ought to look at the price tag. It's in verses one through four. There are three times that the word if is mentioned. Couldn't be clear. This is conditional. Conditional on what? Conditional on the if. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you make your ear attentive, let's just put it simply, listen up, listen up. Listen carefully. Let your ears be attentive. And that applies even tonight. I mean, not listening to me, but listening to God's word. I'm going to hear that word. I want to be really attentive to it. I'm not just going to, yeah, yeah, I've heard all that before. No, I'm going to go, what's new tonight? There's something new. Lord, you brought me here for a purpose tonight. What is that purpose? Help me listen up. It's so hard to do. I sit out there more times than I'm up here. I know it's hard to do. So are you listening up? Verse three. Yes. If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. So listen up, cry out, call out, speak up. I'm not going to ask a question of somebody. They would think I was dumb or I wasn't as spiritual as I want to appear to be. No, no. Forget all of that. Forget your self-consciousness. Forget being proud about how accomplished I am. No, you're not accomplished. And that is the greatest benefit you have for attaining wisdom is to recognize I don't have it, Lord. And therefore, could you help me? Excuse me. You, you handled that so beautifully. Could I get with you sometime to ask you about, I don't know my, I mean, my marriage is great. Don't misunderstand me. It's really, really good. I'm a great husband, but could we get together and have lunch one time? I, I want to tell you about a situation I didn't think I handled quite right. Oh, that would be stupid to do, right? Because then they would think I'm not really on, on top of it, a husband, a godly man. I mean, no, that would be about the smartest thing a person could do is to look at somebody else that's a little farther down the track than I am and to say, could you help me? Can I ask? This may be a stupid question. I've yet to hear a really stupid question from a sincere person who is real. I just really want to know. 
listen up, call out, and look around. If you seek it like silver, search for it as for hidden treasures. You're looking everywhere. You're looking at any of these basketball games this weekend that I alluded to, and sorry, another basketball thing here, but you literally almost have to have your head on a swivel if you're going to play. In the NBA especially, if you, the Grizzlies game is just brutal. You can get killed by a screen. I mean, you're running into a guy who's seven feet tall and 300 pounds and he's solid muscle, and you go scram, boom, you just got wiped out by a pick there. And you got to be watching all around. You got to look around very carefully if you're going to survive the game, if you're going to make a contribution, you've got to be looking everywhere. That's how we ought to be looking for wisdom. We ought to be spiritual Geiger counters. You know, do y'all even know what a Geiger counter is? Back in the atomic age of the old people, you know, we were all worried about atomic uh, bombs and stuff. And so uranium was all around and you have a Geiger counter that would go, get louder and louder if you came across, Never mind. But if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand. Then you will be delivered. Then you will live and not die. That's the cost part. And so the obvious question for us is, are we willing to pay the cost in order to have that benefit? And to be a little more serious than we have been, a little less complacent than we have been in order to achieve that. All right, I'm going to take a risk here tonight, but I'm going to, I'm going to share something, um, uh, yeah, a poem that I wrote motivated by Proverbs 2, 1 through 4. And I wrote it when I was right out of college. I was teaching school and coaching at the time. And it was in the midst of that that I read Proverbs 2, 1 through 4. I was really impressed by it, and I wrote it. And so I'm going to read it to you now. And um, that's how we're going to close. But I will say this in advance. I'll quote my mother, who often said, to those of you that are willing, I mean, yeah, right, he was young once, doubt it. But anyway, even if he was, I'm sure he was a nerd. He wasn't cool. But anyway, he was, but back when I was cool and back when I was young, uh, I wrote this. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. But let me just tell you what my mother always says. We old people know more about being young than you young people know about being old. So, as a father would speak to his son in Proverbs 2, 1 through 22, so I, a father in the Lord, would speak to you. And it comes from this metaphor of searching, looking for it as for treasure. And so it's kind of like the call of the wild, looking for gold nuggets out in a dangerous part in the 49ers gold rush or into Alaska or whatever. It's called a proverbial prospector. The wizened old prospector continued his trek, crossing raging streams and thick mountain woods, almost despairing over the few people he'd met as he traveled alone with a few dry goods. He had found gold before in veins of silver ore, but never this thing which he was now after. When he'd share the aim of his quest at the general store, he was invariably greeted with gales of laughter. But he had read that she was worth more than silver and gold, and nothing one desired could compare with her. In her right hand were peaceful days in which to grow old. In her left were riches and honor. Only once in a while would he meet on the trail another prospector on the same quest. 
There would be gray on his head, almost without fail, and he would be scorned and scoffed by the rest. The young saw no need for this old man's chore. They wanted treasure with more glamour and glitter, seeking riches now and scorning being poor, not knowing their quick, sweet wealth would soon turn bitter. Wisdom cried out at the gold mining camp, Quit searching for metal and come after me! But the crowds never heard over the constant tramp of those responding to pleasure's plea. Yes, they would go to her tent, look quickly around, and then slip very quietly in. Wisdom would cry out before they went down, but pleasure would raise up a din. They heard wisdom's cry, but always too late when the dagger had cut to the quick, and they felt quite controlled by a cruel hand of fate as they picked up their pen and their pick. Back out on the trail to find some more wealth to go spend on pleasure again, quite fooled and controlled by this woman of stealth who would sap all the wealth they could win. But every once in a while, alone in a mine, away from the noise and the crowd, a prospector would sit and begin to opine more than he'd ever allowed. He would think about life and death's clammy call and wonder if God really cared. And he realized, as he thought, if he were honest at all, that of God and of death, he was scared. He would sit there in awe before the God who exists, and then he would hear wisdom's offer and finally become someone who enlists with wisdom instead of the coffer. The fear of the Lord begins wisdom for folks, sends them out on a hard, narrow trail where they leave behind possessions and strokes in exchange for a cross and a nail. The fear of the Lord, following Christ and discipleship, and being filled with the Holy Spirit are basically describing the same process from three different angles of the three persons of the Trinity. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would stir our hearts to be quick to learn from you, to be receptive, to recognize that we don't know it all, to recognize that we have not arrived, that we do not have the wisdom that we desire. We do not have the godly character that should mark a follower of the Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we recognize our lack. But we've come here tonight, whether overtly and really excitedly, wholeheartedly, or whether we just, that's really why I came. I hadn't thought about it recently, but we've come tonight to make progress towards you. So, Lord, would you please show us tonight your perspective on how we're doing with Proverbs 2? And where is that verse or where is that section that I needed to hear tonight so that I could make some changes and that I might more please you, the one to whom I owe everything? This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.